The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Instead of New York to Los Angeles, even though I'm a New Yorker at heart. I'm sorry if I missed something because... Ah, I don't know if we're getting a good feed from Linda, so I'm going to keep talking. Uh, we have a great show today. Uh, we are going to welcome Deborah Schwartz, and she is the author of a new book called Women on Top. So that's always a good topic <laughs> for Linda and I uh, to chat about uh, because we are all about women's empowerment and uh, growth and development as we age. Linda, are you able to hear me? Yes, I, I am now. At the very beginning, uh, you were very staticky. It was like you were on a cell phone and I was hearing every fourth word, but now we're, we're good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Nope. I'm mic'd. I'm hardwired. Uh, in fact, I can't, even, <laughs> I can't even go more than two feet with this headset. Well, so, you know, I'm, I guess I'm hardwired, too, on a landline, but I'm surprised it isn't melting because it's so damn hot here. You could just about, you know, just about pass out. We're not used uh, to this weather in New York. It is just beyond hot. Oh, you know, well, it's getting into that time of year, um, you know, where, where it's just beastly around the country. And, um, you know, it's interesting, Linda. One of the things that people do to cool down is, you know, have a cold beer, have a glass of wine, have a wine cooler or, you know, a Long Island lemonade or iced tea. Um, and I just, I just, I got to bring it up because it's so frustrating to me that yet another young actor uh, died, the Glee actor died of a overdose of apparently cocaine or uh, heroin. I think it was heroin you know, I just think back to like when I was a high school student and they were talking about the dangers of heroin and alcohol, cocaine plus alcohol. I'm so frustrated to have another young actor or person die because of this combination. Well, I mean, frustrated, I mean, it's happening all over. It's just, you know, you hear about the celebrities, but, you know, it's a choice. I mean, you know, nobody is putting a gun to their head and making them do it, and um, I think they just get 
you know, involved in it, and either, you know, they become addicted to it, and it's very, very hard to pull back. Um, you know, I don't know celebrities, non-celebrities, women, men. Um, I was listening to a show today that was talking about women that are drinking now more than ever and are, you know, walking around with huge problems. Um, and they're talking, uh, you know, it, it's just, it seems to be rampant because, I guess people just can't deal with the stress of living in this world. Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, I guess the thing that touched me the most about this is, you know, this is a young man, you know, he's, well, young man, 31, but he was, you know, he came out and talked about his struggles with substance abuse in like 2011 and said that he began, ju- you know, using drugs at 13 and he was in rehab by 19 uh, when his mom and his friends intervened. And, you know, this is just so... You know, I just, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. I see these talented young men and women, many of in my life and a whole lot in my, you know, military uh, affiliations that just can't seem to get off the booze. And it's just, it's just such a shame. Well, it is a shame. Um, and it's a horrible thing. And I, and I, to know people that have, you know, been addicted uh, to drugs, and they, you know, it's basically ruined their lives, and it's a day-to-day struggle. Uh, anybody that thinks that, you know, that they're cured uh, are usually the ones that fall off the wagon because it is, uh, there is no cure. You know, once once that's, you know, part of your life, you've got to uh, go every day and, and, and really make a conscious effort not to, to run back to it. I mean, look at Lindsay Lohan, too. Oh, talking about Lindsay Lohan, I just see that Oprah signed her to a $2 million contract to, to do a reality show on OWN. On what? On her? On her? Yes, she's going to do a reality show, Lindsay Lohan, on the own network. And, like, you know, so we can watch her go and party and, and whatever the hell that she's doing to, to destroy her life. So, yeah. Oh. Ay, You know, I don't know. It's too much too soon. It, it, I guess, um, you know, I go back to the time, you know, when, you know, uh, uh, of Elvis Presley when he, you know, that's, you know, he was my idol. And then, you know, he, he, he he killed himself with drugs and and look at michael jackson i mean it, it's just a scourge yeah you know just um god i you know she's gonna do this interview and then this eight-part reality series for um the network i mean is that gonna be i mean what are we gonna teach our young people with her drugs are cool partying's cool rehab is cool jail is cool I well, God, I hope not, because it certainly is about the the least coolest thing you can do, and it's a great way to you know to end your life. And and you know they think that that's glamorous, or or you know I think that they just get they get sucked in, and once you're sucked in, um, it's it's very hard to to remove yourself from that. But you know this this young woman has been in rehab, God knows how many times, in front of a, a in the court so many times. And and she just she doesn't seem to to get it, and there's nobody no. in her life that that that's um, you know that's there really to to lean on. It looks like because she just keeps going back for more and more and more. Yeah, you know, you see her mother Dana, I think her name is, you know, in the news a lot. And you know, I look at that little fat kid. I just I can't even stand to look at her, Honey Boo Boo. You know, I keep seeing those ads for that <laughs> that 
I can't stand looking at that kid because that kid to me, you know, and I'm sure she's a nice little girl and whatever, but she is like the epitome of everything that is wrong with our country today because she's an obese child. She's obnoxious. She's disgusting. And people glorify her. I I really, I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is I see that smell-o-vision that they're doing right now and the scratch and sniff and then she farts on TV and I'm like, when? Did nice. we? Oh, you haven't seen that ad? It's ridiculous. I mean, talking about dumbing down America, we are so dumbed down now. I don't know where we're going to go from here. I mean, well, it, it's it's really a very very sad commentary on what people choose to watch on television um, because that's you know that's reality shows are like you know hot. They they can't come out with them fast enough. They, you know they're just absolutely crazy. But that's what people want to watch. Please. You know, I don't know. I I, I don't get it. It's a seven-year-old beauty pageant. She's a seven-year-old child beauty pageant that's got to weigh 100 pounds. You know, I just, you know, and I just look at her and go, where is she going to be at 16 after they've been done exploiting her? Because, yeah, she'll have her, you know, five minutes of fame as Honey Boo Boo when she's seven. But, you know, when this kid is 10 or 12 or 15, what is she going to be, 25 years old, going, well, I played Honey Boo Boo? Well, you know, I mean, you know, our show today is going to be about, you know, women on top and, and women taking power and, you know, and, and control over their lives. And um, when you see things like this and, and Lohan and, and a lot of other, I guess, celebs that you, you know, that we can talk about, it, it, it looks like we're, we're, we're going in reverse because um, I don't know what's important to women these days. You know, how do, how do we take control? How do we live happy lives? How do we just not do things because we, we think it's cool or that we're going to be accepted? I mean, that's, it seems like we're going back to what it was in high school to be with the popular girls. I, I, you know, I really don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, I keep, I'm going to go back to Honey Boo Boo because I just can't seem to get off that today. But it's like, <laughs> what are we creating in women? You know, it's like we're talking about women on top, which you're right, is our topic today. And, the, and, you know, the biggest reality television star right now is some fat white trash kid who's obnoxious and swears and farts. And, you know, we're entertained by this. How is that supposed to help us as women, as other kids, you know, turn on this? Because it's a TLC show. They can turn on and see it. You know, we talked about Bart Simpson years ago being, you know, this terrible role model for kids. And, you know, kids were modeling after him for a while until everybody got sick of it. But I look at this kid and go, what? What does this say about women and, you know, for the rest of us who fought so hard for equality, for fair treatment, whether it's in the military or in the business world, Linda, you paved great pathways for women on Wall Street. And I just look at this kid and go, are you kidding me? That's my honey boo You know, again, <laughs> then, then they can argue it's television. You know, what you see is not what you really get. It's television. It's supposed to be there to entertain us, not to be taken seriously. Oh, yes. Uh, I see kids, you know, the thing is, I've got a seven-year-old, you know, I've got a kid that's, that's the same age as Honey Boo Boo. And, you know, the, the girls do the Honey Boo Boo imitation. And you're right. I mean, I guess I won't take it that seriously. But I'm like, really, that's, that's the most popular thing on TV right now. That's, uh, you know, 
and Lindsay Lohan getting two million dollars for us to watch her, you know, probably fall off the wagon again. I don't know, Linda. I, I just need maybe I need a nap. I don't know. I'm in one of those moods today. I don't know. It, it's disheartening. And what we have to do is keep ourselves in our own little bubble and do the things that are important to us and not pay attention to all of that because it, it is it is disheartening. I mean, every time you turn on, let alone the reality shows, but the news. I mean, it just you know it keeps getting worse and worse. So you just you know. I choose not to 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 listen too much because it you know it doesn't it doesn't do any good and um you know it it just shows you the you know the state that where our country is in so we just have to focus we have to it sounds selfish but we have to focus back on ourselves and what the heck we're doing cuz you know the changes have to start with us not with the world Absolutely, absolutely. When we come back from the break, we're going to welcome the author of Women on Top, Deborah Schwartz. We're going to talk about her book and the messages that it contains. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and my opinion does not reflect Linda Franklin's of Honey Boo Boo. I just want to that because I'm on my Honey Boo Boo rant this week. Um, 
But it's really great that we can switch uh, topics and get to something that really, really excites me. Uh, there's a book, a new book out called Women on Top. And Linda, you read it this weekend. How was it? I did. I mean, um, I did. I, I Once I uh, picked it up, I could not put it down. Uh, so I went through, what, 335 pages uh, really quickly, and I liked it. Uh, of course, it was in my bailiwick. I mean, it you know, it's New York, Connecticut. It was here on the East Coast. Um, it involved a lot of Wall Street uh, people. It involved trophy wives. It involved a, uh, a woman that had lost her husband and um, with two, she had two children, and now she was back dating this Wall Street guy. And um, there, were, I mean, I just saw so so much uh, of what you know that I've seen and what I've known. And I can't wait to talk to uh, to Deborah about it because I certainly could relate, and I think a lot of people could can. So it had a ring of of truthfulness. You know, the settings, the characters, oh, God, everything yes. flowed for you. Yes, absolutely, and and not only that, it, it, you know, it's it's um, it's this, you know, it's it was actually, um, you know, money and power are aphrodisiacs. It's very seductive, and um, for women to fall into that trap is very easy, and so many do. And um, it's you know the choices that we make that define our lives. So you know, basically, you know, that's that was the dilemma. This you know that uh, the the chief the kate who is the heroine in the story um is going through so let's bring deborah on let her let let her talk about it absolutely hi, deborah are you with hey. us hi hi, hi. hi. <laughs> nice to have you uh, oh, you, you to be here well you can see my enthusiasm because as i said it was very relatable Yes, and I really appreciate you reading it, and um, I'm glad you liked it. I really have gotten great feedback, and I'm enjoying listening to people's comments. It's really fun having written a book and rather than being a lawyer and hearing what people have to say. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure. Um, I just want to, I, I mean, I, I'll let Sandra jump in, but I just, how much of Deborah's in that story? Well, you know, it's interesting. I wrote the book as fiction, and you know, I would say that my life inspired the book, but I did want to take it places that were fictional because I felt like I wanted to inspire women, I wanted to provoke women and men and make them think, and so I did have to take it places. The parts that I, you know, are most relatable to me are is the fact that when I was 35, my husband did die of cancer, and I was left with small children, and I am a lawyer, and I have dated the Wall Street type. So parts of it were inspired by my life, and parts of it are pure fiction. Right. Well, I, yeah, I want to ask you, know, you before you continue. Good. You know, absolutely. Before you continue on the book, I would like our listeners to get to know you, uh, because they don't. They don't. Wh- who is Deborah, and what, you know, what's your background, and what makes you qualified to write this book? All I know is you're an attorney. I'm happy to tell you that. First of all, I grew up in New York, in Manhattan, and um, I then, you know, went to college, majored in history, and I went to Columbia and got a master's in history and wrote a thesis about feminism in 18th century England, and there was (laughs) only one feminist, (laughs) Mary Wollstonecraft, so I wrote about one woman. And then I went to law school, and um, I was a healthcare lawyer for 18 years, and I'm proud of it because I feel like I help people. 
but um, several years ago, I stopped being a lawyer. My kids are grown, and um, I traveled, and then I went to Africa, and I actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which was amazing because as someone from New York, the only thing I'd ever climbed before <laughs> are the stairs. Oh, the subway. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided to write this book, and I spent a year doing it, and it was really interesting doing that just because I'm a very social person. I like people and I like talking to people. And when you write, you're very much inside your own head and you have to spend a lot of time by yourself. So that was interesting. <laughs> and the day that my editor said, you're done, I was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I can go talk to people again. So um, it's been a great process, I have to say that. But and that's are- why I loved hearing Linda say she liked it, that it was worth all that inside my oh head. well <laughs> but you actually climbed the mountain and and sent the um kate in, uh the the female piece yes. of that book she actually did that too so i thought yes. i said i thought that there were, i didn't know how many similarities but matt count you know uh conquering mount kilimanjaro to the highest peak i would say is quite is quite the challenge it was and it was for me for Besides the fact that I'd never climbed anything before, the other thing is because I was from New York, I had actually never slept in a tent before. And I was scared to death of that. I was scared of the dark. I was scared of who knows what. And this was what made it such a great challenge. I mean, I had to train, and I did it. And, um, you know, I was not somebody who anybody looked at and thought of as a mountain climber. It was just something I thought I would do. And once I completed it, it's something that's unbelievably empowering. Oh, God, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Um, I have another question about the women in the book, uh, about the woman in the book. Do you, I know it's very, um, if you're in that, if you're in Manhattan and you can see this all around you when it when you go out, but do you think women all over the country will be able to relate to the different situations that Kate faced? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I agree with you that because I've gotten feedback from people who are not in New York. And actually, if you look at Amazon, one woman wrote that she got, I gather she doesn't live in New York, because she said reading the book um, um, made her look at life in New York and go, oh, my God. So I think people get a real kick out of what goes on. And obviously the women in New York that I've met, loved it because so many of them have said, boy, did I do the same thing. Been there, done that. So um, I think it can relate. I've gotten feedback from men, which has been interesting. I mean, Wall Street men, all kinds of men, and it's been positive. So I think a lot of people can relate to it. Well, and there's a big voyeuristic aspect about reading. You know, I'm a, a, a reader, a huge, voracious reader. And the one thing that I love, you know, that, and I'll be honest, I haven't read your book. It hasn't arrived in the mail yet um, out here. But um, when an author can take a, like, um, can take an environment and put it into a book so that I can experience that lifestyle, that, you know, part of the world, that part of the country, that part of the culture, that's a real gift and that's a true art. And that's what Linda was talking about, you know, when she said that she related, you know, to the things in New York and her being a native New Yorker, that is really, really powerful writing, Deborah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's really hard to do because I read a lot and every once in a while I'll read a book about an area that 
that I've been. And I'm like, you know, that's not really what it's like. And, you know, I think back to a book I read in childhood, one of these first Harlequin romances that were set in Rochester, New York. And they went to visit my hometown of Canandaigua and they talked about this amazing amusement park. Well, you could stuff it in my back pocket. And it it broke that. <laughs> you know, you know, broke that wall. And if, yeah, if you can bring to us as readers, you know, that money, power, greed, New York, sexy, I mean, I'm going to totally dig it. I can't wait till it arrives. Oh, well, thank you. You know, it's interesting you say that because, for instance, before I went to Africa to climb the mountain, I read endless books so I could picture myself there. And I love when an author, in other words, I think you know, books are meant to teach people. They cha- they can actually change people's lives. They can inspire people. And I think also, you know, after a hard day of work or whatever, they're a wonderful escape. So no matter where you are, to then read something, you want to be with, you know, rich Wall Street men in New York and escape into that world and then go, thank goodness I'm not doing that and then go back to your life and be so grateful to be living your life <laughs> well <laughs> what it, a gift yeah well what it gives you is a real introspective into what people think is the most wonderful life in the world because you're flying on private jets and you're you're going on these wonderful vacations and you're you know you're getting all this fancy jewelry and homes and apartments and blah 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 but now you're seeing the the you know the not so pretty side of that exactly that somehow Really, what, you know, the bottom line is, you really need to judge someone by what's in their heart, what's in their head, and not what's in their wallet. It's really not the money. I mean, it just, it's maybe a fun life, but if you're with the wrong person, it really isn't worth it. Yeah, and, and, you know, and how you want to be your own person. I mean, the thing in the book that got me is this one line about when you were out, when Kate was out to dinner uh, with... um, Len and his friends, and all the women were just, you know, kind of yesing, were the yes women, uh-huh. and, and, and Kate had an opinion, and after the, you know, Len, of course, did not like that, and after the dinner, he said, if you ever do that to me again, I will kick that chair right out from under you. Uh-huh. And I wanted, <laughs> and I wanted to punch his face in. <laughs> but that's real life. Yes. You, you know, with these kind of men. So, um, and they're not all like that. They're wonderful people who work in finance, you know, and do good things with the money. So I'm not condemning an industry. I just think that people should be careful, you know, because it's intoxicating. I think you used that word before, Linda. And you have to just be careful that it's like a drug and that don't ignore the red flags. Yeah. Well, uh, there was there's there's plenty to you know plenty of red flags to be aware of. But I but again, figuring out what you want out of your life, I think, is the most important piece that you know that exactly. that comes out of this book. It's not about the men. It's a it's about you, the woman, and and what you want. Exactly, I couldn't agree more. Sandra, you're gonna you're gonna love it. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I, I mean, I just. 
you know, it's totally my kind of book, right up my alley, you know, because I was fascinated by men and women like this when I worked in Beverly Hills. And even though it's a little, you know, I spent 15 years there, even though, you know, it's different geographically, a lot of the personalities types sound like they're the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are visiting today with Deborah Schwartz. Her book is Women on Top. And we're talking about not only her book, but some of the experiences that she's woven in her book. When we come back from the break, I'm going to ask uh, Deborah how she was different before and after writing this book. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42 Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Why is religion such a thorny issue in our society and the world? And why has religion often become a source to divide people rather than unite? Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz is a forum for civil dialogue on religion and wellness on Toginet Radio. Dr. Ajaz Nakvi invites leaders and activists from all walks of life and faith to engage in a civil discussion on religion and current events. Join us for Frank Talk with Dr. Ajaz every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. With Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin, here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is for all you girls about 42. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. For those of you that missed the first half of the show or our other shows, we've got about, oh, I say 20 of them, 20-hour-long shows that are available on iTunes. We are also available on our show website by the same name, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, or you can reach us on our Texas broadcast station, Toginet.com. I always like the announce that it's just amazing. Amazing to me, girls, that you guys can be in New York. Uh, Deborah Schwartz, our author of Women on Top, Linda Franklin, my co-host, our producer and station is located in Texas, and I'm in Los Angeles. So the technology that has to come together, the confluence of events, I think the moon needs to be in the right place too for us to get a clean broadcast. For those of you who are hearing static, it's just because we're having some weather in Texas. Um, 
We are visiting with Deborah Swartz, Women on Top, and since we are talking about personal power in relation to uh, Deborah's writing and the characters that she's chosen, I would like to pose a question to you, Deborah. How are you different? You know, you're a woman who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. How are you different uh, before and after completing this novel? Um, because you said it was a big undertaking and it was something, you're a talker, not a, necessarily a writer, it's very solitary. How are you different because of this experience? I think that's a great question because if you think about the fact that I was a lawyer and all of a sudden when you put a book out there, you're making yourself vulnerable. In other words, issuing legal opinions is a lot more um, black and white in some way, and it's very much using your brain rather than your heart. And this book is so much of my heart and my soul, and it just, it's very interesting because to have people comment and to relate and to have people send me, you know, on the website, people can send me emails, complete strangers, and to feel like I'm reaching people I never would have reached before and what they feel by the book, it's just wonderful. And I'm so, I hate to say it, I'm so happy I left the law. Um, and writing the book was, you know, similarly empowering as climbing the mountain because I've met so many people who have said to me, I have a book in me and I've had it for, I don't know, four years, eight years, and I'm dying to write it. How did you do it? And um, I think a lot of people feel that they have a story, and I felt that way, and I felt like I had to. I was compelled. I loved doing it, and it happened. Whether the muse was there, whatever it was, I did it. I'm thrilled I did it, and um, it feels like climbing the mountain. It's the same kind of accomplishment for me. Well, now, did you, you know, intentionally... I, well, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Linda. No, go ahead. You you do. Oh. Yeah, I was just curious. Did you intentionally weave in the messages in your book? Because you have messages that talk about vulnerability, about relationships, you know, recovery, moving on, things like that. Were those intentional or did they just come naturally through your writing process? Um, I think it's both. I think it's a good question. I think both. I mean, I think that's why I wrote the book is that at some point, I think I've never been more content and more and more better about myself. And I think that allows you to look back and go, wow, so what was that all about? All about? You begin to learn the messages. Some people I don't think ever do, but I feel like I've learned so much. And, and um, you know, you kind of reach the mountaintop and say, okay, what was that climb up here all about, getting to this point in life? And that, that's what I tried to put in the book. Because I want other women who can be really hard. I mean, my husband died, and it was devastating. And I think people go through divorce, whether it's death, divorce, or whatever happens if they lose their job, whatever happens in their life that, that you know, takes the rug out from under them, it's hard. And they need to take any steps. And in any way that my book can inspire them to do that, I'd be thrilled. Well, you know... It, I like the way you wrote the book because um, sometimes women are just too wordy. They're too flowery. It takes forever to get the point across. Uh, but you, you know, you didn't dilly-dally. I mean, you, you, this, this, is, this is 
what's happening and this and then you were this and then it happened and then you were on to the next you didn't you know draw it out and and i mean i i guess that's the wall street in me i you know i like and you know what linda that's the lawyer in me <laughs> yeah i you know so i i enjoyed that that i didn't have Thanks. to skip pages of 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 yeah. stuff that i wasn't interested about to to see how that particular section ended so so that so that was good for me but i must say you know so here we have this woman in the book and you know she had lost her husband she had she was raising these two children she was working hard and then all of a sudden the comes into her life and and you know he was he certainly wasn't a prince charming but he was rich he was powerful um you know he he, he and he didn't treat her horribly so and, and obviously um you know there was a, a big attraction there um and it, you know, it, it went through year. Uh, you know, what is? It? I don't know how long the relationship was. I think was it three a, years. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Um, so and but then she, um, it, it, but it, it she she's the one that kind of ended it. Because well, it was a mess at the end. But I think that you know you're bringing up a good point. Is that in other words, it would be too easy to write a book about the guy is six feet, stunning, looks like a movie star. He's you know, a billionaire, and she falls for him. This is more like real life. He wasn't stunning. He um, wasn't perfect, and yet she falls for it. And so life is more complicated like that. And that's what I tried to do in this book, is not make it some, you know, romance novel where it's all very obvious. Because life doesn't work that way. And so the book doesn't work that way. And it, you know, um, it's it's so much more complicated, and the decisions people have to make are so much harder than a simple romance novel. Yes, absolutely. Life <laughs> life is not easy uh, on any level, but um, but when something like that walks into your life, and something like that doesn't walk into every woman's life, you know, it, it's something you know of that magnitude but uh, on some level you know there's there's i guess there's len and kate in in every relationship so um you know a lot of women they if it's if that's the easy road maybe women think that if someone is going to take care of them that's the easy road but um you have to, I mean, there's no free, I learned this on Wall Street a gazillion years ago, there's no free lunches and everything, everything has a price. Right, and I also think, you know, it's interesting, even if women are very strong at work or other realms of their life, for some reason they compromise themselves with love and with men, and they get very vulnerable. And there's so much in our culture about women in their 30s, you better be married, you better have children, and there's so much pressure to nail the man, you know, and it's so much more important that women feel good about themselves and let a man feel thrilled to be with them rather than a woman desperate to have the man. They should have their own identity and their own sense of power. And I think that would provide a sense of self-reliance. Well, a warning sign, I would think, for any woman is when a man wants to knock that out of you. Absolutely. You know, so that you know exactly that, that's when right. the red flags go up, and you say, "Oh my God!" You know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, if he wants me to just, you know, just 
to do the party line, then what, what else is down the road? But, you know, to recognize the signs is very important. That's right. Now, I'm going to ask you girls, completely. what are the signs? Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially when men are sophisticated and successful and educated and charming, uh, that stuff creeps up on you, you know, because you're kind of blown away by, you know, their good looks, their money, their charm, all this stuff. How do you know, what are some of the red flags of somebody chipping away at your self-esteem or knocking you down? Because it's not always obvious. You know, it's funny because I did try and capture that in the book that, um, you know, whether it's, as Linda was saying, a desire to, oh, well, you don't have to work. You can stay home. I have the money. You lose your sense of identity. Or if it's criticism or controlling, like at dinner, you're not allowed to speak up. You're not allowed to... um, have a say in certain matters. You know, I'm in control of our decision-making process. It's amazing that women who can go to work and be incredibly accomplished will then go home and allow a man to, you know, I captured this in the book where he said, I want to be in control 80% of the time. How does a woman allow that? And it's real. It just it's something that's imposed on them, and some women say, I'll take that bargain with the devil. And, and Sam, I think another, re, uh, another thing that you have to be careful uh, with, with, a, with a man is if he doesn't like your friends. If, Good uh, point. That yeah. was in the book, um, but yeah. very, very real. If he doesn't like the clothes that you're wearing doesn't like, you know, just tries to pull you apart, tries to make you feel small so he can feel bigger. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I mean, you know, really how a man makes you feel about yourself is so important. You know, in other words, he's supposed to be your friend, too, not just taking you on private chats. You know, it's funny you guys yeah. talk about this because, you know, I, I dated a guy recently who the first conversation we had, and, you know, I really like this guy, but he said to me, huh, I'm used to being the smart one. And, you know, this huge red flag <laughs> went up. <laughs> to me, you know, and I thought, what an odd thing to say to somebody on a date. And, you know, I chewed on that. I still chew on that months later, you know, and it obviously didn't work out. But, you know, that to me, I should have listened to it. I should have jumped off the ship then. Well, I don't know if that means he has been dating only women who are not smart. He doesn't think women are smart. I'm not sure what what he's trying to say, but it doesn't sound good. Right, right. Well, now that's... Well, now that you've written this 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 great book, um, what's next on the agenda? Are you going to do? Are you are you what what are you are you going to coach women? Are you planning another book, or or what are you, well, you going to be what, doing now? You know what's wonderful, Linda, is um, I, one of the most frequent comments was they hated to finish the book. Please write a sequel. Uh huh. And uh, that's really something that's been on my mind because I have ideas of what I would love to do. Great. So I mean. Working on promoting the book is a lot of work, but I already am thinking, because people, <laughs> people have actually written to me what they want in the next book, <laughs> what yeah, they want a- to happen to Kate. So. <laughs> Girls, I hate to cut you off. I've got to take us to commercial break. We are visiting okay. with Deborah Schwartz today. Her book is Women on Top. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what is coming up next for Ms. Schwartz. We're going to talk about uh, some more life lessons that have come through this book that can empower our listeners and empower ourselves. 
we've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Like you're the invisible woman. Too polite to be political. Too nice to be real. Tame, even though you really want to be unleashed. Like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending. Well, Cinderella has left the ball, and it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression, with your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and our guest is Deborah Schwartz today. She wrote a book called Women on Top. Deborah, where can we find your book? My book is on Amazon. Um it's in Kindle form and paperback, and you can get it on Amazon, and you can read all the great comments. It's been so much fun to read. That's awesome. I do. I love to read people's comments, except sometimes in a book like this, they could be spoilers. You know, they can tip you off to, to what's going to happen in the book. And so, um, you know, I've got mixed reviews on, on reading the reviews. What about you, Linda? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't, I've been so busy reading the book, I haven't been to Amazon, but I will, and I will definitely comment on it. Uh, there's the title of the book because, uh, because of the uh, Kilimanjaro Woman on Top, or actually on top of men. It's woman. It's actually woman. Yeah, woman. Yeah. Was it Singular. Beca- was it was it because of the of the the mountain climb or was it because you know it's such a good question it's so funny because when I tell women 
the title of the book is Woman on Top. Women are very um, interested, and they go, boy, that's a double entendre. How very interesting. And they get it. I climbed a mountain. It has sexual connotations. When I tell men that's the title of the book, their eyes light up, and they only have one idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So it's been interesting. I actually did it for several reasons. One is that... In our world, you really want, you have, you know, for instance, on Amazon, you have very little space, and you want a great title, and you want a great cover, and um, you want to capture people in every way, and that's what I tried to do. What do you think was the hardest? Um, Oh, go ahead, Linda. No, I'm just saying it's it's been fun. Um, You know, if you have another question, please go ahead. Yeah, I just had a question. A lot of people talk about, you know, writing a book and dreaming about having a book and finishing it. I want to know what was her biggest challenge in in writing her book? Oh, boy. You know what? It's interesting because you're trying to write a book and, you know, I consider myself an intelligent person and you know when you're writing it, you're not Hemingway. So, I think the biggest challenge was where do you set the bar? What is your book? Is it, you know, how much should you write it for 10 years and try and make it better and better? And I finally read a quote where somebody once said that a work of art is never finished. It's simply put aside. And at some point you say, I could be doing, I could fix this book for the next 10 years, but I'm stopping now. And I think that was the hardest thing is when do you stop writing? Because what happens is, you, you know, the book is 70,000 words. So you write that, and then you go back and you fix each word, and then you do it again and again. <laughs> and eventually you say, okay, I'm done. No, well, to, to say that you're done is, is very productive because, uh, you know, I wrote a book, and I, it, it only took me nine months, and, I would, you know, that was, that was as much as I could handle of it. <laughs> You know, I think a lot of they keep you keep on rewriting and rewriting and rewriting because it's the fear of actually birthing that baby into the world and the comments exactly. that you're going to get back. That's exactly the. It's like when you're done, you've given birth again. That's, I gave birth to a book. That's exactly right. Yeah, and and uh, it's a it's a beautiful baby, and I wish you all <laughs> all the luck with it, and that um, you know there'll be another one uh, coming along. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. It I was really our pleasure. It. All right. No, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, isn't that, I mean, I'm always interested, Linda, when, you know, people talk about writing a book. You know, you've written a book. I've written books. And, you know, it's always such a big experience. Did you change uh, anything before and after writing uh, The Real Cougar Woman? Real Cougar Did I change it after it was? No, no, change. Did you uh, change? You personally. Like, I I changed a lot with each of the books that I've written. I've changed exponentially because there's so much exploration for me that has to happen before I can write. Well, I've changed because, I mean, the book, my book is what? Four years old now. And and so, yeah, I've changed a lot in four years. Um, I don't know if it was a result of the book, but it's a you know it's a journey, and and it's a journey that we're all on until the, the we take our last breath. So um, it's just ongoing. But you know you do you it's where you are at the time that you're writing the book, 
And again, you know, my book was, you know, Advice for Women, too. It, it, it's a lot of my own story. It's not a novel because I, I, I don't even know if I could write a novel. But, it, you know, it, um, it was stuff that I was interested in. And I figured if I was interested in it, maybe other women would be interested in it, too. And so I think, you know, you put so much of yourself in a book, whether it's a novel or it's, it's, it's nonfiction. It's, um, you know, it, it's you and it's, it's cathartic. Absolutely. You know, that's what I was getting at. You know, there's a, you know, I was listening to Deborah talk about her story and, you know, it's like when you write, you know, you can't help but interweave your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your experiences, you know, directly into whatever you're doing. And as a result, you kind of examine your own you know, beliefs, philosophies, uh, they just get woven in. And, and I think, you know, yes. Women on Top is so powerful because it does have those overriding messages. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's something on, on some degree that, uh, that a lot of women go through. It's not just, you know, the New York woman. Uh, it's just because, you know, we, Every relationship is different, and and there's a little sprinkling of all of that in in lots of relationships, whether you want to believe it or not. So it's just you know where you are at at a certain time in your life, and um, what you think you you want for yourself. And then you know, as I said, it's a journey every 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 year, every decade. You know, you you change, and and this woman you know, changed a lot in the book, um, as we all do. And so it's just, um, it's, you know, that's what our life is. It's a journey. And hopefully we learn from it because I think that's what we're here to do is to learn. Otherwise, oh. what, what would this, this trip of our lifetime be? Right. Well, and I love like, you know, we learn through experiences that we have, but also experiences we read about. You know, I was thinking a lot about, you know, when you guys were talking about kind of power, money and greed and, you know, that's relative. You know, women are attracted to power. Women are attracted to money. You know, how could we not? You know, it's part of our nature, um, you know, to want and desire things in life and, you know, what is power? You know, in this case, you know, you're talking about Uber people. They have their own plane, you know, things like that that most people will never even come into contact with. But it's relative to women everywhere because, you know, there's power, you know, aphrodisiacs in the military. There's power in, you know, policemen and power in yeah. doctors yeah. and lawyers, you know, and they're everywhere around the country. So I think there's something, even though this is set in New York, you know, I think it can, some of the themes that you talked about can relate to every woman. Yeah, and women, whether they want to believe it or not, um, no matter how powerful the woman is, it's nice to know that there's a man around to, you know, to take care of you, but at, to what degree does that care entail? Right. How much Absolutely. of yourself do you have to give up to to have that feeling of feeling safe? You know, so you know that these are questions every woman's got to ask herself because you know it it really determines uh, the person that you're going to be with and and the and the happiness of your relationship. So, absolutely, Listen, I'm no well, genius. I'm not a relationship expert. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, but you've had a successful long-term relationship, a successful long-term marriage. You know, you found out what worked for you. You know, I'm still floundering around there. And I will tell you, you know, when you're out and you're 40 and you're dating and you meet people, 
certain things that attract me now repelled me when I was in my 20s and dating. You know, I think of this one date. I had one date in my 20s where the guy was like, well, I want to settle down and have a family and, you know, I want my wife to cook for me and all this stuff. And Linda, you could hear me screaming 20 years into the future, you know, like, oh, I don't want that for my life. If somebody said that right now, that one of the things I miss most about being married is having dinner with somebody, I'd be like, oh, me too. Yeah. Well, that's what life does. It teaches you, you know, and and our wants change so much. I mean, I I bet you if you did it at at the start of every decade of really what you wanted, you know, in your life, from your life, I mean, if you, it would, it, it changes all the time. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's a good thing. It's a great thing. You know, in my 20s, I wanted adventure. I wanted to see the world, and I did, and experience, you know, different jobs and different, just different things. And then, you know, in my 30s, I really wanted to, you know, build a house, raise a family, you know, do those things. And I guess I didn't really think about the fourth decade of my life of what that's going to bring. You know, I'm still figuring it out, but um, I know I'm very different than what I wanted in my 20s and my 30s. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want in my 40s. So I better hurry up because yeah. I'm running out of time. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a hurry up thing. I mean, you know, if you don't do it, if you know, it'll it'll get done. If not now, somewhere in the future, but it'll it'll get done. So you just have to. It's just evaluating and and being honest with yourself and 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 not running around crazy so that you have some time to actually feel your feelings. Because so many people are just, you know, they're running so fast that they don't, they don't make time to, to spend time with themselves to figure things out. And I, and I, you know, I, I, for I love spending time with myself. I guess, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I guess I always have, but as I get older, I love, I love it even more. I like the quiet. Mm-hmm. I love to be able to read a book. I love to be able to just to be alone with my own thoughts. So, um, it's, it's, it's works for me. I'm, you know, running around, um, on a wheel, uh, it, it doesn't work for me because I need to get off that wheel because it, it just is, it's too much. So I have to come back to my solitude again. Well, I think you're right because, you know, running around, a lot of times we just get to the wrong pace faster. That's all. We just get to the wrong place faster. And maybe if we had slowed down and thought about things, you know, we might have made some course corrections along the way. Yeah. Um, just you know, just, that's all. Yeah. And you have to actually pay attention to pay attention, which I always think is really funny. It's like I have to remind myself, hey, Stan, slow down. You know, my mom used to say things like, you know, and we're 30 seconds to the end of the show, but you don't have to live your life in the next 30 seconds, but I got to close the show in the next 30 seconds. Right. Just be conscious. That's all. That's it. That's it. All right. Well, my guest today has been um, Deborah Schwartz of Women on Top. You can find it on Amazon. And I have one of the best co-hosts in the world, Linda Franklin. And we thank you for listening today. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful